Instagram. Yeah, you could. Um, we're live, but you can totally share it on your Instagram, whatever you want um, from your phone. It'll be on my, we're live on my Facebook page, my personal page and my business page. Hey everyone. My name is Nachum Russell or Russ to most of you because nobody can say my name and that's cool. And this is Natalie Dopkins of Canine Performance in Holly Springs, North Carolina. Katie, um, I called you Katie for a second. <laughs> Natalie, do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? <laughs> yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Natalie Dopkins or some people like to call me Katie. I'm just kidding. Um, and I am the owner of Canine Performance based out of Holly Springs, North Carolina. Um, I... I don't know how in depth that you want me to go. Um, if I, just, just go. <laughs> want me to do some background, whatever it may be. Um, but I've been training dogs for my own business for just hit the year mark um, as of July. So I've had my own business, Canine Performance. Before that, um, trained dogs for a big box chain facility. That's where I got all of my reps in. And before that, I understudied underneath the trainer. So it's been about like three years or so of training dogs. So I think in the dog space, very little just a little baby trainer, just a little tiny yeah. one. So primarily for me, I do pet obedience um, and like the worst type of dog that I would get is going to be like some reactivity and that's about it. So since I am such a wee little lad, I'm just uh, doing just basic pet obedience, which there is always going to be a big demand for that. There's no shortage of dogs that needs pet obedience. So yeah. Um, yeah, just do board and trains out of my home. And then also I have a business partner, Matt. He helps a lot with the marketing, the advertising, the business, a lot of business development sort of stuff. So it's just me, Matt, Atlas, and Aurora. Awesome. And how did you get into training? Um, I think like most trainers. I don't I don't know if I ever asked you this, but like No, we haven't chatted about, about this. Okay, I'll have to ask you. But um so Atlas, uh when Matt and I got him, we did we were the dog owners that dog trainers um, really dislike. No, yeah. no looking into the breed. Um, got it from a backyard breeder um, off of Craigslist in the woods of West Virginia. Um, anyway, so we did no training with him or anything like that. And he was a really bad counter surfer. He was very reactive. Um, couldn't walk on a leash, just all around like a very hard to manage dog. And one day, Matt's mom was walking Atlas and Aurora, and the leash got out of her hand. And our dogs knew nothing about obedience at all, couldn't do any sort of command. And so while Aurora came back, Atlas actually ran into the woods, and he was lost in the woods overnight. Wow. And luckily, he just showed up on the doorstep the next day. He's like, I'm so here for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, I'm here. So that was that was really nice. But after that, it really made us evaluate of just like, holy crap, we have bad dogs. <laughs> we need to get them trained. Like that was horrible, right? We, Matt and I were just out in the woods trapezing around in October, like trying to find Atlas, so worried that his leash got caught into something and he strangled himself or whatever, or, you know, got eaten by a coyote, I don't know. Um, and so after that, Matt had a friend that went to Tom Rose, which is the dog training school. And um, he was the one that originally trained Atlas and Aurora. But, um, you know, I was there for the training and I was like, it's kind of cool. Like, this is kind of fun. All right. Um, and Atlas still had like a really long ways to go. So I understudied under him, learned a lot of stuff. He wasn't ready to bring on another trainer. So then 
I went and worked at a big box train facility. So that's how I got into training. I have a dog that is that he's my um he's my learning dog. And um so yeah, he's the one that was just terrible and got me into training. Awesome. I love I love the stories of trainers who get into training because they needed a trainer or because their dog was I mean, I didn't work with a trainer when I had my problem child, <laughs> but I figured out training because of him and it's like put me down that rabbit hole of behavior and got obsessive about it all but it's always an interesting perspective that is too from the trainers who i've spoken to in my short period of time of being a trainer and talking to a lot of people there's like two different types there's the ones who get into it because they needed that help and then there's the ones who get into it they're just obsessive about it and i think it's interesting to hear the different perspectives so like when you work with a client, knowing that you were once that client, does that change the way you work with them? Yeah, absolutely. I have so much empathy for like my clients and, you know, just for anyone that I talk to because I was that person. I was the person that did zero education into the type of breed, how I should be getting a dog, like how to train a dog. What 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 should I even expect out of a dog? Like all these different things and it was just like I had no idea. Like I, I, I literally thought that I was doing the things that I was supposed to be doing. And now that I know what I know, I'm like, Oh my God, what? Yeah. <laughs> I used to be that person. So now when I talk to people and they're like, Oh, like I did all these things and you know, yada, yada, yada. I'm, you know, not sitting there in the back of my mind of like yeah, oh, this person. I'm like, yeah, like I totally feel you. Like I did the same exact thing and I feel you and sure. Maybe you caused these problems, but you are also the solution to all of these different things. So we are going to get there. So to answer your question, yeah, definitely. I think it changes a lot. So yeah, yeah. but I mean, like for you, you said that you also had a problem child. So yeah. you, so you were a trainer that had to become a trainer because you had a dog that needed training. Yeah, my first dog, so I have three dogs now, but my first dog, Marley, I didn't grow up with dogs. I grew up in a family where the only pets that we can have are ones that die. We could flush it down the toilet. So we have fish. <laughs> Um, we had fish, we had frogs, but we weren't allowed to have anything furry. Um, but when I got my first dog, my understanding of dogs and dog training and dog ownership was as long as you love them, they will do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, which worked really well when he was three and four months old at the six month mark, none of that worked anymore. Um, and he was a really bad dog. Um, like <laughs> I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. He was bad. He was human reactive and aggressive and got into dog fights and hurt multiple other dogs. Um, and he was just an overall bad dog, you know, like he's the type of dog that would be going to you or to me or to any of the trainers out there nowadays. Um, and I needed help because I knew like I couldn't, my one commitment that I made was I will never get rid of my dog, but I didn't know that I was signing up to have a complete psycho in my house. So I started like a lot of trial and error, a lot more error than, you know, I failed a lot more than I was successful, but I think those things were what guided me towards finding what works. Um, but yeah, and eventually I got him to a really awesome place and he's part of the crew now. He hangs out with all the dogs at board and train. He's off leash. I'm very proud of it. Um, but yeah, so like I came from a similar place and I, it's very cool when I speak to owners because everything they tell me is like, yeah, I did that too. I did that too. My dog slept in my bed and he, I literally treated him like my son. Like I would introduce him to people as like, this is Marley, my son. 
and he'd be he's a ratty mix so he's massive and i'd be holding him in my hand or sneaking him into restaurants in my hoodie because you know <laughs> you don't leave your son at home when you go to a restaurant right that was my way of thinking about it yeah. so it's definitely uh i think it definitely helps to have that i was there perspective when i'm dealing with a client who's like i messed up my dog and did all these things wrong and it's like no you might like you said you said it really beautifully i actually like the way you said it a lot like you might be the cause of it, but you're also the solution. And that's that's a very cool, empowering statement for an owner who really understands that. Yeah, I try and start all of my virtual training sessions with, with that because I find that, um, honestly, most of my board and trains, they come to me for, I won't say like the majority, but a lot of them do. They already come with a lot of really good obedience already. And like the owners are just like, I know that a professional should be handling this. So, you know, like, here you go. Um, but a lot of my virtual training clients, they really come from a place of just like, they have some bad problems. Like they do. And they feel like they are totally alone and they don't have a trainer near them. And so they're like, oh, I know you from Instagram. I've been following you for months and months and months. And now I'm, you know, like reaching out to get help. And um, so they're, they're explaining all these things. And because they've educated themselves through my Instagram, they're like, and now I know I am the problem. And I can just see so much guilt and like shame and such like really heavy burdens on their shoulders. And so I always try and say, I'm just like, all right, you said it, not me. When they say like, and I know I'm the one who caused the problems and I always joke with them like, oh, you said it, not me. And then I say, but seriously, while these things may have happened and maybe you did create some of these problems, you are also the only way that this dog is going to get a solution. So yeah. you are the solution to this problem. And I think that that just like really helps people like have that like that paradigm shift in their mind of just being like, oh my God, I did all these things. And then just being like, oh wait, but I can change it. I'm actually the one in power. So I think that's like a really... I don't know. I, I really like to empower people, I think. Um, but also to not let people get away with their crap either. So let them That's empowerment. That is empowering though, right? Is it? I think that's how you would properly, it's not empowering to say like, all right, you're awesome. And like, you could do whatever you want. Whatever you do is cool. Right? Like that's not what we do with dogs. Right. Yeah. And like in the end of the day, that accountability or whatever you want to call it, but it's a person or a dog is what builds that confidence up. Eventually it's part of, it's one of the, puzzle pieces that's necessary for yeah. empowerment yeah, i think that, i like that the perspective shift that i try to encourage my clients to have is it's it's your responsibility not your fault because fault kind of fits into this guilt right and it's blame and it's like it's all my fault it's like no it might have been caused by you but it's now it's your responsibility right and that's that's i think a very empowering thing is that you could change it like you're saying you are the solution and now you're actually taking that responsibility serious. So now everything that happened in the past, like we're going to move past that and shift into a responsible way of thinking about it. Definitely. Is that a landline? I have not heard a landline. It is a landline. I usually disconnect it beforehand. It's yes. very annoying. Nobody calls that I even talk to. I don't even know why it's still connected, That's but so it is cool. a landline. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's man. funny. It's like ancient. I just had like a huge wave of nostalgia, just like the sound of that. I was like, is that a landline? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's ancient. I'm like waiting for the answering machine to go off. I'm just like, hi, this is Russ from Calm Canine Training. I can't come to the phone right now, but if you, and it just like goes off. Do you yeah, have it just goes off. No, it's all on my cell phone. Oh, that's very nice. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, one of the things that I actually kind of wanted to ask you um, through doing this is just like, 
there are, I don't think that people realize this, but there are so many dog trainers out there. Like the amount that you see on social media is such a very small, tiny percentage compared to like how many actual dog trainers there are out there. And like for you, I think that all of us bring something super, super unique to the table. And one thing that I love about other dog trainers is that everyone has like their own unique thing. And I love to ask people what they believe that their uniqueness is in the market. So like for you with Calm Canine Training, like what do you think is like that differentiates you in between like the guy that, you know, lives 30 minutes up the road and also trains dogs? Well, first of all, none of the trainers 30 minutes up the road from me are good. So so that's number one. No, but it's going to sound cheesy, but honestly, I think it's that it's me. Because I don't think I necessarily have something unique in terms of how I train dogs because I think there's only so, what do they say? Only so many ways to skin a cat or something like that. I don't know how that thing works, but there's only so many ways to do it, right? Like dog training, of course, there's everyone has their own perspective on it and their own theories and everyone likes to word things differently. That makes it sound like it's theirs. But at the end of the day, there's really nothing new as far as I know, right? And I think what really differentiates every trainer from each other, and I can say at least for myself, is that it's filtered through me, right? And it comes out in my way and it's portrayed in the Russ style, whatever that is, right? And I think that's what helps somebody as a client. Like if I was looking, if I was looking for a dog trainer now, right? With some of the information I have about what dog training should look like and all that, I would first of all, obviously look for results and all that stuff, but then I wanna look for someone that I click with as a person because you build a relationship, right? And uh, it's a very personal relationship a lot of times because you find out about these people's lives and depending on how you structure your program, you're in these people's homes and you get to know like who, what's going on between husband and wife and how you guys bicker and all that stuff. Like you see it. And even if you guys think you're hiding it, like us dog trainers pick up on it. Oh yeah. And you have to find someone that you can trust and you can click with and you can, like you can vibe with them because they're your style, whatever that is, or that their style clicks with yours. So as cheesy as it sounds, I think that really what differentiates me is me. No, that's a super great answer. And I would actually really love to just like, kind of like dive into that just a little bit more, because I think that that is just something that is just not talked about enough in dog training, that there is not any new information like with my instagram account sometimes i kind of feel um uh what's that called kind of like imposter syndrome like a lot because i'm like none of this is new like i didn't come up with any of these things and if you really looked at my training like i'm not doing anything different than any other dog trainer i don't think that i'm doing anything special in the least bit like at all i think that i'm doing what almost all dog trainers do right um and so i just kind of like I really just want there to be like more education out there of just like, you know, none none of these things that we're doing is like new, right? Like almost all of us trainers are going to talk about structure and boundaries Mm -hmm. and consistency and accountability for behavior and all those different things. And they stem from like, we're standing on the shoulders of giants of Michael Ellis and Ivan and Bart. And, um, you know, there's some up and coming people like Larry, you know, are really good and, um, you know, all those other people, but, um, yeah, that's one of those things where I've tried really hard. I've tried so many times to write a post on it and then I've like 
written it and rewritten it and tried to rewrite it again. I'm just like, none of this is coming out great. So like, I haven't put anything out there, but yeah. But that is the thing. I mean, think about the amount of dog owners, just America alone, right? We're not even gonna go to all the other countries, America alone. I don't know what the number is, but someone can Google it. There's a shit ton of dogs that are owned by everyone in this country, right? And unfortunately, a ton of those have behavioral issues. And even if they don't have behavioral issues, they're owned by owners who don't know how to teach even basic things because it's not a part of dog ownership that's taught in culture and society. It's not. Society is you get a dog and you love it. Yep. So there is a massive demand for dog trainers. It's the reason why this industry's blown up, right? And there's so many of us. Like my father always says, like, we didn't need a dog trainer for our dog. They didn't exist. There were no family dog trainers. And he's right because the whole situation was different. The whole society was different about dogs. So now that there's this massive demand for it, there's there's also a demand for each person who has this information that you have, that I have, that different trainers have to give it over in their way so that the person who needs it to be heard in that specific style will hear it. Like you and I can write a post about structure. It's going to come out sounding completely differently because our minds work differently. We think differently. And just like we think differently, like the, the consumer thinks differently too. So one person might hear what I'm going to say and guys, that guy's a load of shit. And the next person is going to hear the exact same thing that you wrote, but in your Natalie style and like, it's going to click. And all of a sudden they're going to start training their dog properly. So to me, it's like every single trainer has not only like the right to put out this information, but like you, you have the responsibility. You have this information yeah. that's needed. You have to put it out because one person might've heard it from 500 other trainers, but finally they're going to hear it your way and it's going to click and that, that dog's life could be saved. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I really, really resonate with that a lot just because being in the dog training industry, um, there's a lot of points of contention that you're going to come across with like either other trainers or dog enthusiasts and things like that. And, you know, if there's one thing that the internet really, really loves, unfortunately, it's telling you how you should or should not do the things that you are doing. Yeah. Um, everyone has a very, very strong opinion about that. Um, and I think that one of the first things that like almost like really fizzled me out when I entered the dog training industry was just like my way of explaining things. And I was like, oh yeah, like all this information, education, education. And then there would be like certain people in the dog space of just being like, uh, this isn't anything new. Like she got this from here, 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 and here. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I was never hiding that fact. Like I, I post all the time about like you know, the, the resources that I learned from and everything like that. I just didn't know that every single time that I say something, I must then quote these people because I reframe it in a completely different light of a way that I think that people will be receptive to it. So none of the information is new, but Russ is going to have his way of explaining information. Natalie is, Bethany is, Larry Cron is, you know, Pat Stewart is, everyone has all these different things. Um, so I don't know. That's something that I, with, everyone always asks of just like, how do I become a dog trainer? Like, what's your really big tips? And I think that that's something that I always really tell people of just like, be prepared for these things. And when you have these emotions, because people come at you of just like arm yourself with this education or just like you have a right and actually a responsibility to put education out there as long as you make it in your own words and like yourself, yeah. I guess. Yeah, don't, don't copy and paste someone's post and claim it's yours. Like then you have no right to be on you like doing anything. You honestly, your business should fail. But like, <laughs> I've seen too many of those and it's happened to me. And like, you people suck. But yeah. if you can make it your own, like you should be. And I think that for me, like in my short journey of dog training, 
that the most important thing that's helped me to, I guess, find my voice is two things is not caring about what other people say about it. Right. Because like you said, people are going to say, well, that's this person's thing. That's that person's thing. Right. Or the way you're saying it doesn't make sense, whatever, who cares. Right. And then the other side of it is also, I guess they're really connected is being okay with being yourself. Right. Because if you're not okay with being yourself, you're constantly going to copy. And then those people have a right to say, stop copying. Yeah. Right. But if you really are okay with being yourself and sounding shitty in the beginning, because my posts sucked in the beginning and working through that right, and not caring about what other people think, then you'll actually be able to find your voice and help the people that need to hear it in your way. Yeah. And I think that's really important too. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, in any industry, but especially in ours, I, I don't know, I probably don't do a good enough job myself and I should probably like vocalize that a lot more. Cause I think I do have a lot of other dog trainers like on my account and you know, they're either like up and coming or they're just getting started and they're trying to look for all this like guidance. And like what you said is like very, very powerful is that it's easier said than done, but mm-hmm. if you can't do it, you're very strong. And so I think that you just has this next level of resiliency to you. And like through resilience, you can really do really amazing things, I think. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, when it comes to, cause like for you, how long have you had calm canine training? Summer of 2018. Before that I was working at a facility, um, training and managing and doing a whole ton of stuff there. So yeah. it's summer of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, you probably also get a decent amount of people that are like in your inbox asking you of just like, Hey, like, I love your training style. Like I want to become a dog trainer. What words of wisdom do you have for me? So besides, you know, like the, the other emotional sort of aspect of it, just like, Hey, people are going to say what they are going to say. Cause that's how the internet works. If like, don't pay attention to them, like do your own thing. But what else would you say like for other aspiring dog trainers like that are up and coming that have been like really big learning lessons for you? Yeah. So obviously like there's the obvious stuff, like become good at training dogs. Right. And like learn everything you could about it and learning, you know, obviously, but I think that's the obvious stuff, right? If you're going to do become anything that's a new job, new industry to you, you better learn how to do it. But I think that like, and and in that thing is never think you learned it all, right? Like never, right? I think like what's very important for me is constantly staying in a student mindset, right? Um, and then number two is get your hands on dogs because as much as you read and as much as you watch, it's never going to be the same as having a leash in your hand and working with a dog. Um, and you can think you know it all from reading every book and going to every seminar, but then when someone hands you that dog, you're not going to know anything. You won't when know it what comes to- up the line at you. You better know yeah. what you need to be doing. <laughs> yep. And really this kind of goes hand in hand with what I said previously is I think that once you have the obvious stuff, like preface it by saying no about dogs, I think personal development stuff is so important, I guess in any industry, but for some reason, I think that with dog training, it really goes hand in hand. Um, I think it's and- so emotional. Like, no, yeah. Not- go off but just like to interject and just like to bolster that it's dog training is an emotional um uh career profession yeah. like, you, like it's hard to be removed from it so if you don't have good personal development in your life it's hard to try and have another being be developed in some way i don't know does that make sense absolutely does yeah i especially for any of any good dog trainers passionate about what they do right 
and that passion can take over you. It can it can destroy you at the same time as it can build you up. It can completely destroy you, right? Yeah. And if you don't have that resilience as a person, as your foundation, and you're not constantly working to make that foundation stronger, eventually, it's I think it's going to destroy you one way or another. It's going to burn you out. You're going to let it take a toll on you, like. And it's all connected, like that other people's opinion thing. It really all goes hand in hand, really. But yeah. I think it's something that's not spoken enough in the industry that needs to be spoken about more. I think it will help personal development, will help the way you relate to dogs, it will help the way you relate to your clients, it will help the way you relate to people on the internet. Like it's all, and it's all that what's important nowadays. You can't just have one. If you're just good with dogs, but you're shitty with people, like you're not going to be successful. If anything, you kind of need to have an equality of both of them. Like I, um, like, yes, we will, we will laugh and ha ha about it. And we'll share the memes of just like, I don't like people. So I became a dog trainer yeah. and it's actually like you get into the profession because yes, you do love dogs, but it's actually because you really love people too. And you see people hurt and they are struggling and you know, you relate to their just struggle and their guilt and their shame. Um, and you know, all this like frustration and anger. Um, so yeah, I forgot where I was kind of going with that, but yeah, but that's, that's it though. That is it. It's so real. Like it's, it's a human centric business that has dogs in it as well. And that's the end of the day. Like as much as everyone says the dog comes first, yes. And the person comes first too. And I know it's two first doesn't make sense, but it does because they're both go hand in hand. You can't help a dog that lives with an owner and not be good with the owner. And you can't just be good with the owner and not be good with the dog. You need both, you know, and shitty, sh shitty dog trainers, um, people who are like not good with other people are the ones who end up being miserable and upset and always angry and they're not happy about what they do. And if you're or good with- Or don't have good personal development. <laughs> yeah. But again, all goes hand in hand, right? Oh yeah, definitely. For sure. It's much like dog training in that sense when uh, people are like, oh, I, I really need my dog to do like X. And I'm like, okay, well, in order to get to X, you also need to be doing A, B, C, and D. And it's like, oh, dude, I just work on that one thing at a time. I'm like, well, actually, no, they're kind of all interdependent upon one another, right? Like you yeah. want to be able to do basic obedience, but you also have to build your strong verbal markers, but you also need food and motivation to do that. And you need to teach the dog leash pressure as well. And it's like so many things all working together to get like your one thing that you want, whatever it may be. Uh, so I, I don't know. That's just kind of like when you said that, I was like, okay, like this is kind of like the dog training, like equivalent to that, I guess. Well, the way I, I look at dog training is that dog training and personal development kind of are one and the same, right? If you think about what we're doing with dogs, whether it's the accountability, confidence building, getting over fears, or facing your fears or just dealing with them, however you want to look at that, right? That's what personal development is essentially is about, right? Holding yourself accountable or holding someone else accountable, whatever situation and boundaries and accountability and everything that makes a person into a good person is what we try to instill into dogs. So if we're not instilling that into ourselves as much as we could, then it's going to be tough to really believe in that when you tell your dog to do it, right? It's like you're going to claim that boundaries matter to your dog and then not have them in your life or claim that accountability matters, but not hold yourself accountable. And like your dog is, is a lot smarter than that. They're going to know. They're going to kind of see through that. They're going to be like, you're fake, right? Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, for sure. And dogs are very good at reading people, much better than people are at yeah. reading 
people. So yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with that for sure. So let's talk about your Instagram page. Cause that's how I found out about you and probably at least 20,000 other people found out about you. <laughs> so you, you've only had that page for one year, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. July, I think 17th was the, the first post of Canine Performance. Right. Because I remember you putting up that anniversary post recently. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Congrats. That's awesome. And yeah. when did you come up with your style? Because you have a very, very distinct style that I haven't seen any other trainer have in how your stuff looks, how you write it, your, your picture, then your little whatever graphic. you call it, graphic. Thank you. Yeah. And it's like a very specific style. When and how did that come about? Um, it was actually, so to answer that, I kind of have to give a little like background and insight. So I come from a sales marketing and, um, business background. And so for me, I already had years and years of putting in those reps of building up a social media presence. Like my own personal fitness page has about like 13.3 followers. And, um, I've always been in sales and business. So I know how to, uh, interact with people. I, um, was also a sales manager for college interns. I managed around like 52 college interns, um, across the Southeastern part of the United States. And so education and how I present information and being able to coach people through things that are really difficult. Cause it was business to business, cold call sales for print advertising for college students. Like you can't get any harder than that. And having to coach, you know, a college student that's like 19 years old of just like, Hey, you got to go into this business and talk to this business owner and pitch them on this idea and get them to spend $2,000 on marketing advertising you have to be able to communicate with people in certain ways. Um, and so that's kind of like where my education style, like how I form my captions is because throughout the summer, every single morning I would put some sort of education and I would lay it out kind of the same way. When it comes to the graphics, I just did a graphic one day because I'm a very visual learner, you know, how dogs learn physical, visual, verbal. And humans typically learn verbal, visual, physical. I am more of a vis visual verbal and then physical learner. So I was like, okay, well this makes sense to me. And apparently it also makes sense to other people. So once I saw that people really enjoyed that, I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do more of that. Cause that's all that growing a business is. You see what works and then you do more of the thing. So that's sort of the background. Um, but that, yeah, I think that um, once I saw what kind of worked, I just kind of stuck with it. People really didn't want to share pictures, even if the caption was really, really good. People didn't want to share pictures of me like standing and taking right. a picture, right? People are much more inclined to share just like a, a photo that has like a too long didn't read and just be able to share that to people. Um, and so that's kind of where I got the idea of just like picture and then visual. And then how I write my captions came from my time building up my own personal fitness page, but then also my time as a regional sales manager and having all those college interns and having my reps of being a coach and explaining information. So kind of a very long-winded word vomity answer, but I, I guess that's kind of the- Yeah, that's very cool that you were able to have that background because I kind of just do what works for me, but it's like a different style. But your thing is very cool because there's a very clear process to it, right? Of how your things are set up and all that. I appreciate it. I think a lot of people appreciate it. It's very clear. Like 
if I'm scrolling through Instagram, right, and I see one of your posts and I'm like, I don't have time to read three paragraphs, I can just swipe to the side, yes. read your little graphic and know what your point was and I can come back to it later if I wanna read the whole thing, you know? And yeah. that's a very, it's a very cool idea because it works for most people, especially in this fast paced, swiping, scrolling world that we all live in, that works really well. It gives people the information and then if they want more of that, they can actually read your whole explanation on it. I think that's actually really funny that you say that because at least like once a week or like once every two weeks, someone's going to comment of just like, I always see your posts and the captions are so freaking long, but I know that it's really good for me. So I'll either save it for later or I will sit down and make myself read it. And, uh, and you know, on one point, like the marketing person in that hears me and like, is like, Oh no, this person didn't like this thing about it. Like I should change it. And then I'm like, well, actually they said that, they, they do the thing anyway, because I am effective in, in right. my heart. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I am it quite long, long winded when it comes to Instagram, but I mean, surprisingly, I didn't think that I was going to be able to be long winded on Instagram because it is a very like fast paced, go, go, go sort of thing. And people only have like an attention span of like, same as dogs, like 1.3 seconds. Yeah. So I didn't think that it would work, but people seem to stick around for the long Instagram caption. So I just max out my Instagram caption character amount and I'm like, cool, post. It works. I think if the information is valuable enough, then it can break the rules. And like, I'm not a social media guru and any of this stuff, but like, I think that the more I'm on social media for business and things like that, Obviously, I started off as just a consumer, just swiping, but now I'm creating content and I'm putting things out all the time. I think that <clears throat> the rules of it all don't matter as much as people think, right? It's more like try it and then you'll see if it works and you make your own rules for it because what you might do and that someone else didn't do yet might be exactly what the consumer that you're looking to attract actually wants. And it's another one of those things like break the rules and do what works. Try new things, right? And see how it yeah. goes. No, so, I, I think... That's, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. No, I, I, all I was saying was just to bolster that. And I, I think that's very valuable for, you know, other people, regardless of your industry, to just hear of just like there are certain like rules, but do they really apply? As long as I think that as long as you provide value, then the rules don't really apply to you. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I totally, I'm on board with that. So you said that you were coaching college students on how to present and how to make calls and things like that. Does that experience play into, I know you said it plays into how you teach and how you do your Instagram and all that awesome stuff. Does it also play into how you train dogs? Yes, very, it's not as like directly correlative, um, but I think that it does kind of play into it a little bit because like training college students and coaching them through things that they initially have a lot of resistance towards um, and being able to present a picture to them and provide just enough pressure to get them to do the thing. And then once they do the thing to show them like exactly what they are supposed to do and they do the, the, the thing and then they get the reward of having the signed contract or just simply going in and doing a sales call and just walking out, even if you don't have a signed contract is like, whew, like that is awesome. Yeah. Right. And so like, it's kind of the same thing. If I am teaching a human or if I'm teaching the dog, like I, you're going to be met with a little bit of resistance at first of some sort, something is like the dog is there for a reason. Right. And so you're going to be met with some, some sort of friction, put pressure just enough to 
do the behavior or go in and do the sales call, right? And I will teach you step by step how to get to the end goal that you ultimately want. And then once you do that, you're like, eh, well, okay, that wasn't yep. so bad. Let's do it again. And then over time, like by the end of the summer, because my college interns were required to do 30 in-person sales calls per day, that meant 30 businesses walking in, opening the door and asking for the CEO or the manager or whatever, shaking hands and doing that. You must do 30 sales calls a day. Um, by the end of that summer, like I was pretty much obsolete. I, I, they, the students were self-motivated. They were doing the work because the work in and of itself is reinforcing. And it's kind of the same thing for dogs too. Like you show them enough times, make it reinforcing enough. And then they're like, this is awesome. Like I will do the work simply because I enjoy doing the work. So, yeah. Long-winded answer yet again. Sorry. I, apparently I'm very word bombing tonight. So. <laughs> but I think that there's a very cool theme of like everything we're discussing of the correlations between humans, whether it's personal development, coaching, confidence building, right? All these things and dogs. And as much as we like to say dogs are not humans and they're not, and they shouldn't be humanized and all that stuff, we've said it enough times already. There's a lot that we can learn in both directions from dogs to our lives and from our lives to dogs, because I wish I can pronounce this person's name. He's a Japanese philosopher. So at least I have an excuse on why I can't pronounce the name properly, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I have to, I have to get it straight because I've quoted it so many times. So basically he has, has a quote that says, when you know the way broadly, you'll see it in everything, right? And wait, repeat that. When you know the way broadly, you will you'll see it in everything. Huh. Okay. How and do you, how do you interpret that? Well, when you understand whatever the way is, right, very clearly, and it's like becomes a truth of yours, and you see it as a bigger picture thing, then you're going to start to see it in everything, right? So take for example what you just said about coaching, right? Where if you ask the old you, right, who is just coaching college students, not training dogs, like, you think this has anything to do with training dogs? You'd be like, no, like, train dogs by giving them treats or whatever, right? Yeah. And, but now that you have, like, I guess, a broader understanding of this truth, right, of this way, it's clear, it's very clear the correlation between the two, right? When I asked you that question, you right away were able to explain it, yeah. right? You know exactly the connection between the two because it's become a truth, right? And truth works for everything, essentially. And yeah. so it's just an interesting thing that I, I heard this quote, heard it from Joe Rogan. Um, I'm going to re-listen to him to hear, to hear who he yeah. quotes it from. But it's, it's an interesting thing. And I like to hear this idea because every dog trainer who I speak to, I hear it in different aspects of their life, right? So like your life was coaching college students and fitness. And both of those things have very clear correlation to dog training in different oh, yeah. ways but they both align with how dogs get trained and how what we do with dogs and what we do with dog owners, right? The empowerment and the confidence and all that stuff. And it's just an interesting thing that I see more and more getting reinforced every time I speak to another trainer of when you know the way broadly, when you understand it as a truth, it's really existent, everything it's all over. That's very eloquent too. When you know the way broadly, what was the last part of that? You'll see it in everything. You'll see it in everything. And that is very, very true. Cause I think that like, no matter what happens in, 
in my in my life I can almost always relate it back to dog training and have like some sort of example of just like someone will be talking about something completely unrelated to dog training <laughs> and then I and then like in my mind I'm gonna be like oh yeah this is like in dog training like when you have a loading level and like the dog's already at level seven like they're gonna reach a level 10 so you got to bring it down to it and it's like this whole thing that like happens like in in my mind uh so yeah that I, it gets I totally filtered through the dog training filter right yeah definitely for sure oh hold on one second down good multitasking at its usually time. it's me usually it's me who's doing that but now i only have one dog hanging out with me so i'm not concerned about her but yeah i got home from the gym so my dogs went to greet them i i promise my my board and train dogs when someone comes in they're they're not making all those sounds it's, just it's only your dogs, right? I mean, yeah. hey, they, they have specific windows of opportunity where they know that they can do certain behaviors. So <laughs> I get it. I think every dog trainer's dogs has issues, like secretly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that our learning dogs uh, are super, super valuable, but they like you should like cherish them. But then at the same time, it's like, they're probably the most messed up dog that you are having in your home at any given time. Because yeah. like you, you like learn something and you're like, okay, well, here's my dog and I'm going to, you know, try and do X, Y, Z. And then you're like, uh, no, I don't like that at all. And so you pivot and you shift to something else. And then you're like, okay, this is, this is more like it. And then the dog is like, okay, so these are different things. Which one is the one that you want me to do? <laughs> yeah. I definitely confused the hell out of my dog when I was figuring out training with him. Definitely. Like if I look back now on the amount of things that I did, that just like created useless confusion in the poor guy. Like I would, I would be messed up, but he still loves me. So like, it's, it's awesome. It's yeah. pretty resilient like that. But I think that every dog trainer has their learning dog or, or like one or two learning dogs. And yeah. then after that, like where you, you kind of sit there and you're like, dang, like, I kind of wish like I had another dog, like just like a puppy, because all of the things that I know now, I would do everything totally right. Yes, I've been wanting to get a puppy, but I'm not going to. I'm having a lot of self-control on that one because three dogs is more than enough. Plus I have my household like board and trained dogs. So it's it's more than enough for me. But one day I'm going to get myself a puppy and raise it from because I never raised a puppy. I mean, yeah. I had Marley. I got him at like three months old, but I don't consider what I did raising a puppy. I yeah. kind of just had a puppy and we just did life together and wasn't raising him, right? Raising <laughs> raising a puppy is like raising a kid. You can have a kid and just have them or you can yeah. raise them, right? Yeah. And I think that like I would love to raise a puppy and do it right, like as right as I know how to do it now. That would be cool. What breed would you get though? That's the real question. All dog trainers are going to make fun of my answer, but I just want a simple golden retriever. I don't want like one of these fancy high drive dogs or anything like that. I mean, it would be nice like down the line to have like a high drivey dog, but I love golden retrievers. I used to hate I them. So if that makes you feel any better. Okay, like, good. <laughs> because dog. I have so many people like, no, you need a Catalua, you need a this, like all these high drive dogs. I'm like, I don't need that at all. Like I'm happy with a simple golden retriever, go lay by the fireplace and then go be goofy and crazy outside. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. Plus, I mean like golden retrievers, like if you can, they, it's not like they're completely devoid of drive either. No, like, mine has drive. Yeah. They have like some really drivey tendencies. So, I mean, you could definitely have the both of both best, hmm, English is hard. Best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. I have a golden now. Hendrix is my golden, but I didn't get him as a puppy. So he must have, he was like, 
what dogs do you have? You have Hendrix. That's at, to be honest with you, Hendrix is the only one that I actually know of. Just like when I think of Russ, I'm like, oh, what dogs does Russ have? I'm like Hendrix. Because I like to show him off a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I have Marley, who's my my first dog. Um, he's a Roddy mix. Mm-hmm. I have Mama Bear, who's a pit. Right. That's right. Yeah. And but she's not like on my social media that much because she's not so active and like. She doesn't, when I take like the dogs off leash, she doesn't come with us. She's not even, she's never really off leash except like in the front yard or whatever. Yeah. And doesn't do adventures. She's, she's an old fat lady. So she just really chills and sleeps. Um, and then I have Hendrix and Hendrix is my youngest. Hendrix, I got him at like probably a year and a half, two years old. Mm-hmm. And I guess he's three or four now. Yeah. Doesn't that make you kind of sad though? Once your dogs get older, like we 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 can't talk about it in depth because I will start crying. Um, but I just always feel like you know, as the years go by and people ask me, I'm like, oh, like how old are your dogs? I'm like, oh, well, Aurora is, oh, oh. Yeah, it makes you think about it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, at, Atlas is four now, and I'm like, when did he go from like a two year old dog to a four year old dog? And I'm just like, oh my god, the years are going by so quickly. Yes, it happens way too fast. I try not to think about that whole part of dog ownership. It's like, leave that for that. But Mama Bear, I don't even know how old she is because oh, she really? has her own. Yeah. And I didn't, like, I found her really. Like, she's a long story, but I found her on the streets. So I have no idea how old she is. All I know is she's old. But so anything more than that. You, you just let Mama Bear do Mama Bear things. She can. Yeah, she she's. So like, she's one of those dogs, you know, like everyone has like, there's like that exception dog, like the one who like doesn't need as much training per se. And like, they're just their personality. Something about them is really cool. Like that's her, right? I never formally trained her really. Like, obviously she knows things. If I tell her to go to place, she'll, she'll go and stay there most of the time. But like, most of the time. yeah, but I'm honest, but she's not like, She's not like highly trained. I don't, I don't care if she's off leash because I never really wanted her running around that much because she has her leg issues and stuff. So I never really trained her a lot. I just gave her structure, which is a very powerful thing for people to think about really is that like she is an awesome dog. And if people understood where she came from because she was completely shut down, not like shut down is like, oh, this poor dog is laying on place for an hour. Like she was shut down. Like you walk in the room and she puts her head into the corner and just trembles and freezes. Yeah. And all that changed it for her that brought her out of that was structure. Like a yeah. ton. She had tons of rules in her life. Yeah. That's all that I mean, that's when people ask me, they're just like, oh, why do you talk about structure so much? And I'm just like, that's clarity to a dog. Yeah. Right? Like the we can't verbally communicate and have a conversation with the dog, but we can manipulate their environment in a way that they can understand what is expected of them. And you know, that's kind of what all the dog training is, is just a manipulation, English is hard, of just the environment, right? It was just, you know, manipulation. There we go. We have the smart Thanks, Matt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, and it's, it's a, I think it's the most overlooked thing, even though trainers talk about it a lot now, more and more, but in general, in like, like, if, if you ask a random person, what, like, if I asked you, what does it take to be a dog to be trained? Not the Natalie now, right? Like, what would your response be? The Natalie before would have just been like, oh, yeah, you just have treats. Right. And, and all they need to do is, like, know some tricks, right? 
Yeah. Like I, yeah, that's exactly it. Like I would think of like tricks and of just like having treats and I would, it would never would have occurred to me of just like boundaries of not being on yeah. the couch or on the bed and, you know, being in a crate and like having times of just like you're purposefully practicing being calm, like all those different things. I would just been like, nope. Yeah. And I think, and not, I know, I don't even think, I know <laughs> that if people like actually just implement the structure in their dog's life and never taught them any commands, right? Drop all the commands. That stuff is awesome, but it's, I, I think it's secondary and just implemented structure with their dog. So like that includes accountability, obviously, but structure and boundaries, like they're, they wouldn't need us. Our industry would go under and it would be awesome because dogs would stay in their homes and people wouldn't waste a ton of money on us. Right. Yeah. And it's, I think it's the most important thing to get out. It's also the hardest thing to to explain to people where it really makes sense. Because like yeah. you said, people don't see that that's being connected. It's like, I want my dog to walk nicely on a leash. And then you start telling them like to create their dog or keep it off the furniture, right? I, I think that that's like a very, very valuable thing to bring up and like discuss for a second is that like, I find myself constantly saying the thing that we work on in dog training is not directly impacting the thing that we want to change like i there's almost never a time that the dog is presenting a behavior and i work on that behavior directly head on and most of the things is just boundaries and structure i have a dog that is jumpy and nippy and you know barks a lot and does all these things and to some people they're like oh barking equates to bark collar or jumping equates to leash correction and like yeah sure However, most of the board and trains that come to me, like, I don't actually ever really need to correct them for the jumping or being pushing all that stuff. It's just like, I'm just going to implement structure into your life. I'm not going to let you burst through thresholds. You're not allowed to be up on the couch next to me. And I don't have to correct you for any of those things. So I'm really working on things head on. And I think that that's a very valuable thing that you said of just like, structure like if you were to teach your dog nothing at all but provided structure and boundaries all of us would be out of jobs. yeah yep it would change it would change everything shelters would be empty the world the whole dog world would be completely different and i'm i'm curious like why do you think it's such a difficult thing for people to understand and to implement emotion 100 percent emotion that's that's kind of like the only thing and like even as a dog trainer i have no problem saying that like sometimes structure and boundaries like I get pretty attached to some of the dogs that like come to me and like it can be like pretty difficult of just like this dog is like almost on a neurotic level of being so hyperactive and they really really need that structure and boundaries and they need to be on climb for quite a while and just be able to observe life around them and, oh yeah I just want to translate for non-Natalie people climb is place oh yes very, very <laughs> point. yeah um, so being, being on place, right. And, you know, it just kind of sucks that it's just like their owners have a certain lifestyle that they want to live with their dog and they want the dog to relax at home and climb or place is the way to do that. And so I need the dog to be on, on place for three or four hours at a time, just so that way they can get used to the environment and be like, Hey, if I get up, you don't need to follow me and you don't need to herd me and tear up my clothes or jump at me and do all these things. Just watch life go around you and become neutral. But sometimes it's hard because they're just over there and they just look so cute. And I'm looking at them right now and Cooper just has his head on his little paw and he's just looking at me and I want to go over there and I want to go pet him and do all these things, but he can't. 
And I think that that's much more difficult for people that don't understand fully the value of it. And it's like, oh, but my dog has always been in bed, emotion. My dog wants to be on the couch, emotion. Oh, my dog is calm and that looks sad, emotion. So it's just, I think a lot of it just comes down to human emotion. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the hardest part to train, I think. The hardest part to give over that it really makes sense and that somebody wants to and is willing to change it is that whole emotional aspect of it all, right? Because emotions are so strong. Like you can give someone logic that makes total sense, but if their emotion doesn't agree with that, it's going to be so difficult. And I guess it ties it all back into that's the personal development aspect of dog training, right? Is being able to put your emotions on the back burner and think logically a little bit, right? And think about yeah. goals and clear visions and all that stuff that's important for personal development and use that same thing in dog training. And this yeah. is why like, back to, okay, so back to your question of one of the things that I tell people who ask me, first of all, when they ask me for advice on becoming a dog trainer, I say I'm the wrong person to ask, but <laughs> because like, who am I? But I think that what's something that I do tell a lot of people is like if, a lot of people ask me for books, right? Book recommendations on dog training. And I honestly don't have that many that I recommend. Like I've read a few um, and I have my favorites, but what I really think is most important is read books about psychology, about society, about culture, and it's going to tie in. Some of my best posts that people related to the most didn't come from watching someone else's dog training videos, training a dog or anything like that. It came because I read something in like a Jordan Peterson book. Or I was literally, literally about to say yeah. Jordan B. Peterson because I think that that is like the number one person. Like if you want to be a dog trainer, go read something from Jordan B. Peterson for sure. And go read Jonathan Haidt's book. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah. Read The Coddling of the American Mind. Wait, um, what was it? The... the Coddling of the American Mind. Oh, yes. Some people might not agree with all the political stuff in there, but if you are able to put that aside and just understand them, and he's not even political to say the Great truth. Untruth, but, huh? Yeah. You makes you weaker always trust your feelings oh okay yeah so yeah and these are things i hear that and immediately like my mind goes "Ooh, you're gonna like it's that. dog training it is 100 percent dog training and if you read that book like this was me reading that book he talks about like the over coddling of children and how it doesn't let them become confident and secure adults this is me like the over coddling of the american dog and just read it. that's how i read the whole book because it just made so much sense to me and that's that's dog training. It's all the same, right? It all works the same way. So kind of back to what you had said earlier, because it popped into my head again, is like reading, reading material. Okay. There are great dog training books, but read other things, read, read a lot of stuff about yourself and about the world and psychology and society and how, how our world works. And it's going to help you when you actually have a leash in your hand way more than you think. Oh yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, and then to just, um, digress back from that of what we were talking about of why it's so difficult for clients to maintain structure and boundaries and having that understanding from those different books about psychology and social structure and all those different things, I think also really helps with how we're able to train the humans as well. 
Yeah. And um, I think that one of the really powerful things that I have started doing is that oh, during the turnover lesson, as I am explaining something with logic, I then ask them to give me an analogy of what that would be like compared to their life because they have to think critically about it. They have to manifest a situation inside of their mind and that can sometimes create an emotional tie to whatever it is. So they have to fully grasp and understand the subject matter at hand to be able to then give an analogy for it. Um, and so I think that was something, um, honestly, I think I saw that like on an Instagram post or something like that. Cause I have follow a lot of like business Instagram stuff. So I don't even know where I learned that from, but um, I think Jordan Peterson speaks about a similar idea, I believe, um, of leading somebody to the answer. Yeah. So then it's theirs, right. And it's really the same idea as what you're saying. It's make it personal. So, I can give a great example that might not click for you, right? Because like my life is different than yours. And when you lead somebody, when you give them all the right steps to get there, and then they come to that conclusion on their own, now for them to argue or disagree with that or not do it is them arguing with themselves. And that's going to create conflict with them. And it's going to be a lot harder for them not to actually follow through. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's super, super valuable. One thing that you had like slightly said that uh, reminded me of something else. Matt um, was editing a video for this guy that owns um, a fitness gym. And one of the things that he said of when he became a coach and when he opened the gym, he said something along the lines of like, and when I became the coach, it became um, that I was asking all the questions and they had to provide the answers. And I think that was very interesting that he said, is that what he said, Matt? Okay, yeah. Um, so. And I think that was super interesting of just like, wow, that, that is pretty true. Like I do ask, like I, I obviously present like education and stuff, but then I'm really the one that's asking the questions as a coach and I want them to give me the answers, right? I provided you all the education. And so I, I ask not just questions, but the right questions. And then you have to pro provide me with the answers. And I think that's an interesting way to look at coaching, which is, yeah. I don't know. I think of dog training as coaching, which is why technically by the uh, like the the website or our domain or whatever, it's technically canine performance coach. Yeah, that's why I kept sending you the wrong link. Oh, I really? Left, I left out coach like three times, and I was like, "Why is this not working?" But yeah, <laughs> it's it's an interesting. I like the way you're explaining it, and whoever that coach that that Matt was working with explains it because. To the general person, if you think of a coach, they're supposed to tell you what to do. Yeah. You're supposed to ask for advice and they're supposed to tell you what to do. But by shifting that, I think it really creates bigger change in the person receiving the coaching. It's a very powerful thing. And I like it, actually. I like that a lot. It's a very cool idea. What's your yeah. favorite part of tra training talks? I, I think that for – okay, so I don't know if this is uh, what a lot of dog trainers can, like, relate to, but – for me, I actually don't see the changes in dogs a lot of the time, and it's not until I am doing the turnover lesson or the go-home lesson, whatever it is that you want to call it, and then the owners are like, he never would have done this before. Like, for example, when the little corgi um, went home, and because I already had structure and boundaries and accountability for other behaviors, 
he really didn't try and nip at me and bite at me all that much, like taking equipment on and off and like, you know, doing grooming and stuff like that. By the end of it, I never even thought twice of just like, oh, this dog can bite me because he doesn't like being touched. And then at the go home session, I was like just doing the thing that I normally do of just like, okay, here's how we take collars on and off, like do all these things. And I was like shifting his little corgi body around on the elevated dog bed. And then Mason was like, okay, hold on one second. Like I have to send this video to my mom. And he was like, because this never would have happened before. And I think that that's, I think that that's the moments where I'm just like, oh, like I'm able to like uh, help people unlock their dog's full potential and unlock a, like helping them live the best life possible with their dog. Um, and, and so, um, it sometimes kind of sucks because like for two weeks, I feel like I'm just like working and grinding. I'm not yeah. seeing any progress at all. And then the dog goes home and the owner's like, oh my God, like this is so great. And I'm like, oh, okay. All, all of the work finally came together. So I think it's like that moment when um, the owners are finally able to do things with their dogs that they weren't able to do before. I think just seeing that happiness in the owner's eyes and, you know, just I know that a whole world has opened up for them and that makes me just really happy. So I think that that's the best thing for dog training. What about for you? So, yeah, I love it's kind of along the same thing. I, I First off, I love the idea of that you don't see the behaviors because it's a tough one for me when I started working with dogs where I was like, I don't understand why this dog is being sent to me. Right. And I was like, I, I don't get it. Like this dog walks beautifully. Everything is great. And like yeah. the issue here, but it's that click. And more than that, what I've started to enjoy even more is feedback, like life after training, because that's when you get to see the real change. Right. So yeah. go home sessions can, or turnovers. I like that you call it that. Someone else called that I spoke to recently calls it reintegration, which is also a very cool term for it. That's what's um, on my whiteboard is the reintegration plan. <laughs> yeah. So that's a cool word for it also. Go home is very generic. But um, during those, those sessions, right, when the dog is learning how to be with the owner and all that stuff, it's always, to me, it's always an interesting mix of like, sometimes the owner's struggling, sometimes the dog is struggling, sometimes I'm unsure about myself, like, did I mess up, right? Yeah. But then when I get that feedback, like a picture of the dog running on off, a lot of my clients live near the beach, like running by the beach, right? This dog that can never even be outside his front yard without a leash on. And that type of stuff is like, I think what really is clicks for me. And it's like, reminds me why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? And it could be something as simple as like, I just had a dog that went home. This dog has been part of like the Com Canine crew since she was 12 weeks old. I worked with her as a young puppy. And her owners were first-time owners, so they like got right into it. It was really awesome. And then they sent their dog to me for my full three-week program. She just went home last week. Um, and one of their big concerns as she developed and started to become like a real dog from a puppy was how she was going crazy in the car and was very dangerous. And they were so happy about the simple fact of being able to go visit their family out on Long Island and their dog was laying down in the back sleeping the whole way, right? And to me, that's something simple. Like when my dogs get in the car, they generally just lay down, right? And yeah. it was something that I didn't even really work on much with the dog because when we got in the car, I just told her to lay down and she laid down, right? Yeah. And that small thing that changed their life so much. And again, it reminded me what I'm doing. Like the things that I see as kind of not important because it's just part of my life is life-changing for these owners who are sending their dogs to me. And it's a powerful thing for me. It, it reminds me why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Because yeah. sometimes I tend to be strong on myself, right? Where I'll send the dog home and I'm like, it didn't meet my expectations, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden the owner is like so happy that their dog lay down in the bed, right? 
like they're so happy that their dog like i don't know it went to sleep in its crate and it didn't try to break out like small things that are obviously not small right and when when i'm reminded of that it reminds me like why i'm doing what i'm doing is not for my expectations my expectations actually don't matter at all yeah right and what really matters is like the the owner the client and that they're happy so i guess another long-winded answer this time from me but it was, like, it was so beautiful i loved it so much and yeah i think that that's um that's like such a good answer to hear from a dog trainer too like it was just like and i think that is like a why you will be successful is because like that that's like a very like true and pure and purposeful answer of like why we should be doing the things that we are doing is like we are doing it to help you know owners are really really struggling obviously we're helping the dogs too like yeah. all of you out there that you want to i love sorry i love how we have to say that as if people are going to think we don't care about dogs like we should be able to stop saying that and just say like we love helping dog owners and everyone should understand that we love dogs but you know but, why we say it because there's always someone that yeah. to say something because that's the yeah. way that works but i think that's like really really awesome um but also i i also want to add uh thank you for giving validation to my feelings of just like sometimes you don't you take some of the things that we teach the dog for granted and you feel like there's like not a lot of progress that's happening and then it's like really those small things of just like laying down in the backseat of a car and that's really what made all the training worth it yeah. for that person you know for whatever it is but um yeah i don't know i i think that when it comes to i think all dog trainers have like things that they kind of struggle with. I think that that's kind of my thing that I struggle with a lot is that like, I look at this dog and a lot of the times I'm just like, I mean, yeah, you're, you're doing the thing, but I feel like you came to me and you were already doing the thing. Like, did you even improve at all? And I think that like, I just, I forget what the dog was like when they first come to me. And I, I am so close to the picture that I can't remove myself and really look at the situation at hand and be like, holy crap, this is a different dog. Right. And that's why once they go back home, and you get that text or whatever, and then it's like you're separate from it already, right? Like you've detached yourself from from this dog, from Cooper that you're loving and so much, right? Yeah. And now you're separate from it and you're on to the next dog and you're back in your life and all of a sudden you get that. And it reminds, that's for me why I feel that. Like then it reminds me, it's like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. It's working. Like people are happy. That's what really matters, right? And yeah, it's, and I guess, I have two things though, because I'm not going to lie. There are parts of the behavioral change that really just like, I feel like it sounds stupid, but I feel it's like magical when you see a dog that like goes from a psycho state, right? And they're just nuts. And all of a sudden they are laying down calmly. And like, I had an impact on that. Like, it's a very cool thing to communicate with another species, right? Yeah. Like, like we can communicate with each other, but that's because we both speak English and like we're both in America and we have this computer, but like we're communicating with a whole nother species that a lot of other people struggle to communicate with. And like, sometimes I just stop mid session. I'm like, damn, that was really cool. Like I did that. That was cool. Yeah. I really like that too. Yeah. There's so many good parts about dog training, a lot of challenging things, Yeah, but it's also very, very rewarding at the same time. And it's like those, I don't know. I guess I kind of relate to that lady that, um, you know, sent you a picture of just like my dog's laying down. I think that there are some times in dog training where it's like something like really just stupid, simple. And I just take a moment. I'm just like, hmm, well, okay then. Are you yeah. to able to do that? Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah. Just a little bit with some things that they, that they struggle with. Um, but then at the same time, like sometimes if I'm like too wrapped up in whatever's happening in life, I actually miss those moments. Um, and then like, I think that's when I'm like, did you even get better? Like while you were here with me or 
am I sending you back home like the exact same way that you came? So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a, I guess a, a, a roller coaster of those two, right? Oh yeah, definitely for sure. Um, but I think that one of the things about dog training that uh, I've tried to bring a little bit more to my Instagram that maybe is a little bit different from like some of your typical things that you may see on, you know, dog training Instagram is just like the really unpleasant parts of dog training, not like showing videos of like things unpleasant, but like talking about the things that are unpleasant. Um, and so like for you as a dog trainer, is there anything in specific that like you feel like is like you see these there's situations that you just have to deal with as a dog trainer in order to get a dog to a better state of mind or better behavior and you just don't like handling it is there anything in specific like for example i don't like create anxiety it yeah it makes my tummy hurt i don't like it well like i guess extreme fear stuff or anxiety more like not even fear but anxiety um causes me anxiety um but i'm not really an anxious person but it's like i i think it's emotional like i really feel for that animal and like that's like it's a struggle to live in that state like if a person was living like that we would do whatever we could to make that person feel more comfortable and i have to remind myself that making him more comfortable is might not necessarily be what the dog actually needs it might need to be uncomfortable for a little bit right and to work through that and like that sucks it's just not a fun thing to be a part of yeah and, and then like the other thing is like as much as we can say that structure solves behavioral issues, there are times and there are things that need punishment. Yes. Right. And it's not fun. Right. No. No, like no, as no. much as it's important, it's not fun. Nobody like looks forward to punishing a dog. It's not like I wake up in the morning. I'm like, can't wait to punish that guy. Right. And yeah. it's like, but, but I also know that there's this bigger picture that I'm trying to get to that. And this is part of that equation. So I guess those are the two things like serious anxiety. And obviously I don't like cleaning up shit, but, um, but like the serious anxiety cases and when you have to punish a dog, it's like, it's not fun, right? I'd much rather take a dog and go run in the field and throw a ball and run around and be silly and free with it. But that's not going to really help him. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. No, I really like that a lot. I think that most dog trainers would really relate to that answer. I don't think anyone likes the anxiety cases where you are cleaning shit. Yeah. But they're, they're most rewarding. I think, right? Yeah, just because like, I don't think that people realize the impact that these tools that we have can give to these dogs. And I think that your fearful and anxiety dogs probably benefit from them arguably the most, or at least in my experience of yeah. just like being able to take like very fearful and nervous and anxious dogs and then be able to make them comfortable in the environment because they have clarity and they have a communication system and they're accountable for their behaviors. And so, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, those ones are definitely the most rewarding too. And the, the thing that I enjoy about accounts like yours who do talk about these things, whether it's showing it or writing it out in nice captions and things is for that owner out there who like has that dog, who literally thinks that they're the only one in the world who has that dog because tons of owners feel that way, especially with these more extreme cases. And all of a sudden they read a post from a dog trainer who works with a lot of dogs and speaks to tons of people. And, and they're like, Oh, this is not as uncommon as I thought. Like I'm not the only one in America with a dog that wants to destroy its crate and kill itself every night. Right. Yep. And it changes everything for that owner. It's, it's hope. It's real hope when they see that, I think. And it's, yeah. it's part of our job, I guess, in sharing the dirty stuff, the messy stuff. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's also validation. If there's like one thing that I have really come to realize as I've gotten older is that everyone is just really looking for validation. And it's not necessarily of just like, hey, whatever you're doing is the right thing. It's just like, I can empathize with you and I can validate that what you are feeling is right is the methods and techniques and the process of how you're doing it right. No, maybe not. But I can give validation to the emotions that you are feeling and that, you know, that you aren't the only one and other people struggle with this. And I can just, you know, just bring that to light and, you know, just kind of show that and have people just feel seen and hurt if they, you know, want to reach out or they comment or, you know, whatever it is. And, um, you know, of all things, I think that's kind of what my platform has kind of morphed into is actually just a place for people to be really open and cognizant of, the difficulties that they're having with their dog and then for someone else to then comment underneath them and be like oh my god my dog does this too and then they're like oh my god and then they have like this whole conversation that i don't even need to be a part of it all it's just people in the comment section of my posts or on my online training platform and things and just you know them being like oh like okay like i'm not alone in this and i think that's just all that people really want yeah you're creating genuine community by sharing the real stuff, you know? If you just share cute puppy photos, which everyone can do, it doesn't really build anything real out of it because there's no, there's nothing really tangible to it besides that's cute, double click, move on, right? Yeah. But what keeps bringing people back to a page like yours is that you share that stuff and it builds that community and it makes people want to be a part of it because they feel that they're part of something, like they relate to it in a real way. Definitely a very cool thing that you're doing with your Instagram page. So I know well, I appreciate not, it a lot. It's it's not me. I I, I really want to like make that known. Just like at this point, Canine Performance is actually just belongs to the people because it's like it's really them that make it what it is. Like I just like have like a brief tidbit every day of things that like aren't really that earth shattering at all, right? Of just you know just like here's a tip: keep a leash on your dog when they're in the home, right? And but that then like leads to like this big community of people. So it's like a thing that no longer really belongs to me. I feel like it belongs to all the people inside of that community and they really make it what it is, which is just dog trainers sharing their journey and helping other dog trainers and them sharing their journey. So um, I don't know if that really makes sense, but I guess that's kind of like the way that I sort of like think about it. It definitely does make sense. Um, I I, I appreciate the idea that it belongs to the people. It's, It's very cool. Um, what's one thing that if every dog owner knew, like if you can make sure that every dog owner knew that you would want to tell them or better yet, what's one thing that you wish you can tell old Natalie when you first got your dog? Oh God. Um, makes it a little more personal. (laughs) Yeah, no, it definitely, (laughs) that's kind of what we talk about, right? Right. Get personal. Um, I, so if there's one thing about working dogs that I really, really enjoy, I love a good loose leash walk. I think that it is probably, I firmly believe that you can walk your way to a better relationship with your dog. Like obviously you still need like structure and boundaries, but like throughout the sit, throughout the down, throw, you know, most of those other things out. But there goes so much into a loose leash walk with a dog. You have to have so much communication. It's an engaged activity. Like you can't be passive with it. And it's like really just like, I don't know. I think that like, if I could tell the old Natalie, it would just be like, teach your dog how to walk on a leash. Like just do that one thing. Cause there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Right. Like there's some communication of like, Hey, you cannot do this thing. You can do this thing. 
and it has that pressure and it has, you know, that body language communication and it's just like this really engaged activity. And I don't know, there's, there's no greater joy in my life than like an, an evening walk with a, with a dog on a loose leash. I, I did something about it, just the air smells sweeter, the night feels crisper, and I just find that one of the greatest and purest joys of my life, just an evening walk with a loose leash dog. I think, and someone else commented it also, I think that should be like one of your new taglines is walk your way to a better relationship because it's oh, so nice. It sounds so good. It was so perfect. Um, but let's say like, all right, so that's that sounds great. What benefits can you tell this owner that you're speaking to of what, great, we have a nice walk, but what's that going to do for my life with my dog? I think that it will teach your dog how to follow direction, right? Because when it comes to loose leash walk, you can't just go all over, do whatever. You must follow my, follow my lead. This is my walk. You are welcome to join me, right? And, um, you know, it teaches your dog a communication system through the leash. You have to have really good leash skills in order to have like a really good loose leash walk, right? Teaches that pressure and release. It also teaches you the value of my body in relation to yours, which is very, very important. People underestimate the value of spatial pressure. And yeah. you, can, you can, like for me, when when I say, oh, you should correct your dog, a lot of people think prong collar, e-collar. I use spatial pressure corrections all the time. Everything that I do has like some sort of spatial correction. You can teach that to your dog during a loose leash walk and you can implement that in all areas of your life as well. Um, and I think that it just teaches a more calm state of mind. The environment has so much stimuli and it has the dog at this hyper state of arousal. But when you're in a loose leash walk, you must be focused on me because I am guiding you where you need to go. And you have to pay attention to my body pressure and the communication through the leash and following my lead and all these different things. And so I think it provides a lot of really good mental exercise and it helps build a lot of neutrality to different stimuli, which carries over into the house. So um, I feel like I could continue to go on and on, but I think that those are like the big things that yeah. I kind of think about. It covers all of the real underlying things that people struggle with right? Yeah. The communication, the boundaries, the accountability, it covers all of that stuff and even structure, like a, you're implementing structure, whether you like it or not, if you want to loose leash walk, right? Yeah. And it really covers all of the, all of the important things like that everyone likes to talk about in that walk. And I, I totally agree with that idea. Like, I think you could learn a lot about a dog by putting them on a leash and walking with them, right? Yeah. Like you can tell a lot of what's going on in that dog's head. You can tell a lot about that dog's relationship with its owner, like a lot just from holding that leash and walking with it. It's a powerful tool. Definitely. Is, yeah. I, I guess I've never verbalized that out loud, but I think it's something that like I get a leash in my hand after a dog is dropped off and I can almost tell not everything just about the dog, but also about the owner as well. Yeah. I, you, you know how it is when you have a leash in your hand, you know the points of where the dog has been reinforced and been allowed to do. And you know how that carries over in other areas of the dog's life, don't you? Like you yep. can tell as a dog trainer, you're like, all right, I I know how this owner is. And it's it's a very powerful thing. Um, and it's almost something that like can only come intrinsically if you are aware of it as a person, I think. So I used to do my, like when dogs would start the boarding train, I would, most of my clients were much more local than now it's kind of spread out a bit and I'm much busier. So now I have clients drop off, but I used to go pick the dog up and sit in their house and chat with them and all this, you know, the whole thing. But 
what I found that I like a lot more about drop-offs where they come to me and I meet them outside and I take that leash is I get to actually have a handoff of the leash. Yeah. Right. And it's like what you were saying in that handoff, I see a lot more than if I'm in the house and I put a leash on a dog and walk out with them yeah. because now the dog's kind of already with me, right? Because I've been there for a while. But when I walk up to that owner and I, the dog is going crazy and he's jumping all over and I take that leash, right? And immediately like I can feel a lot of what's going on with that dog and with that owner. And that dog gets to also immediately feel a lot of like how I think and feel about things yes. right in that handoff. I think it's a very like vital part of, of having success with the dog is actually taking the leash from the owner. And it's, it doesn't sound important to a lot of people like, okay, it makes great videos. You get to see a dog acting crazy and then being calm 10 minutes later. Right. But I think way more than that is I get a great read on the whole situation, even if it's five minutes. Oh yeah, for sure. I like, even in my, um, like for all of my education that I put out, I always say 90% of the information is passed through the leash, not just passed down, but also passed up yeah. too, right? And you can only be aware of it if you are, if you know kind of what to look for, but then also if you're really truly in tune with the dog, right? So that's another reason of just like, you can walk your way to a better relationship because like, if you're truly paying attention, you're gonna have a dog that is engaged with you and is staying in that heel position because you are very intentional and you're very aware of the information the dog is sending up the leash. Like, I don't know about you, but as I'm walking, I know the moment that the dog turns their head to go and look at something. And yep. without even looking, I can just give slight like leash communication through my left hand. I'm just like, nope, we're not gonna participate in that distracted behavior, right? Yeah, yeah. so I saw something very cool. Whatever people wanna say about Caesar Milan, like him, not like him, whatever. But I saw something very cool that he did with, I think it was, it was a small clip, but I think it was like, um, trainers who are apprenticing with him or something like that. He has a program. I don't know exactly how it works, but he gave them a bunch of his, I don't know if it was his dogs or dogs that were at his center, but a bunch of like that pack. Right. And they ready for the most part knew how to walk, but he handed them, I think it was five or six dogs, right? A bunch of leashes had him walk and he told them the person that he was training, close your eyes. Right. Don't worry, you're next to me, we're on an empty path, close your eyes and walk with them. And just yeah. feel where the dogs are, feel what they're doing, and actually be in tune with that leash and with yeah. that animal, that group of animals by your side. And it was a very cool thing to watch how some of the people took that leash and right away they were just, it was like smooth, they were gliding with it. And some of them were a little more bumpy with it, but as he guided them through it and like really, he kind of coached them into like what to feel and how to be present with it. They were all walking dogs, like a pack of dogs. Again, these dogs had some training beforehand, but that's not the yeah. point, right? Walking them and guiding them with their eyes shut, not looking where yeah. they're going, right? And something that I see with almost every client that I work with is by the go-home session, when we go for our walk and I hand them the leash, the way I generally do it is I start walking, I'm holding the leash, and in motion, I hand them the leash, right? Yeah, I'm so glad someone else and, does it too. Yes, it works awesome, right? Yeah. And, but what I generally see with most people is when we're walking and talking, they're looking ahead, they're talking, they're being chilled. All of a sudden they're holding the leash and they go like this, right? And they're looking down. And my goal in conversation is to stop talking about the dog and let's start talking. Like, I don't know, what's your favorite food, right? Like, yeah. what do you do for a living? Like, let's just talk about life because I don't want you focusing on the dog. I want you with your dog. Yes. So that you can start to feel where your dog is because if you're like this, your dog is probably going to be like, moving around and going ahead of you. This is what I see more and more. 
because yeah. you're fixated. You're not in tune. You're fixated. Yeah. Right. And the more that I can get a client to walk with your dog, not like walking your dog, right? Yeah, it's a hard thing your dog explain. on a walk. Right. Go on a walk with your dog. Yes, exactly. And and what I've started to do is just have like I try to shift the conversation then from their dog to anything else. Like I'll talk about the weather if I can't come up with anything else, right? Yeah. But let's just talk about something else to get their mind off of it. And that's usually when it starts to go smoother because they're less fixated. And I, I think it's that same idea of like be in tune, feel it, don't fixate, and don't like be overbearing on that poor dog, right? Yeah. Just walk with it. That, that's the relationship portion of it, right? It's yeah. Just like, you know, like in any sort of relationship, are you going to be like super fixated and like worried about it? No. If it's a good relationship, it's going to it's gonna flow. It's going to go, right? And you're going to have a good feel for it. You guys are going to communicate information back and forth and, you know, that's going to be done through the leash or, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, that was a really good question. I can't even remember what you even asked to prompt that conversation yes what would you want every dog owner to know or what would you uh, tell yourself well what would i what would i tell myself to do yeah the natalie that didn't know anything about dog training yeah I, and yeah i still stand by that answer even after we've talked about all of this i think that a good loose leash walk if every owner could teach their dog that i think it'd be really really good um, yeah it's definitely a very a very cool one my favorite part about asking this question to people is i've yet to get the same answer from every trainer who i speak to really? and it's kind of ties back to what you said of what differentiates each person, right? Because the underlying answers were generally like, if you dig deeper into the answers, like generally the same, it had to do with structure, that do with not humanizing. It's all like the same stuff, but everybody said their own thing, right? Yeah. Nobody said a walk before until you. And the other ones that people have said, everyone said it differently. And I think it's a cool, a, a cool proof of that whole idea of like, everyone's going to say things in their way that really clicks for them. Yeah. So. But we're all the same thing, like yeah. deep down, right? It's just like right. relationship, communication, yeah. and like all, all those different things. I think is the foundation is going to be the same. Yeah, this is a very huge, uh, just a study for you. Like you have so much information that you have gathered from like so many different trainers of just like, you know, like of just like talking to so many people like you have a lot of good data points now of just yeah. like some things of just like how the industry sort of operates and like where trainers are at and like you know just how people are doing things and i think that's super super interesting that you are able to get all of those data points or should i say perspective on how how the industry is doing because you've gotten trainers from kind of like all i think all of them have pretty much been balanced trainers right mm-hmm yeah. I don't have a purely positive trainer that I think will be able to talk without arguing. If I had one, I would, I would talk to them because I don't believe in arguing. I think it's awesome to talk, but I don't like trying to convince anything and I don't like trying to be convinced. I like to talk, or right? Yeah. What? Or defend yourself. Yeah. I don't like to have to do that. It's like, that's, let's have a conversation. That's to me what this is really about. Like I've had some of these things that I've done. We didn't even talk a lot about dogs. Like, Obviously, we talked about dogs, but I started this, like, first off, I love the way you switched right into your Natalie business mind where you're like data points and you have all these data points yeah. around the industry, right? And then you like kind of caught yourself and you're like, okay, perspective. But Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of all that, that it really yeah. is. Sure, you have these like data points, but it's just really just like a, a perspective of, you know. Yeah, it was, just, it was just funny the way you switched into that side. But what I started this for really is just because... I love talking to people 
and like it's a cool way to get to know somebody right like this and why not share it with other people because apparently people have been enjoying watching them and listening to it and like i think it's just fun if i stop having fun doing these i'm not going to do another one right yeah. i don't get anything out of it right it's just fun and there's no more reinforcement of the behavior <laughs> what i said there's no more reinforcement of the behavior so you're just going to stop yeah the behavior. exactly and that's I think that's kind of how I look at a lot of things I do. Like if I start not liking dog training for some strange reason, which it's not going to happen, but if that would strangely happen in like five years, like I'm going to quit and find something else I'm passionate about because it doesn't make sense to do it if you're not enjoying it. Oh yeah, definitely. For sure. And that's a very, very good perspective to, to have as well. I hope that all dog trainers have that. I'm just like, Hey, when it stops being an enjoyable thing, just go find something else to do. Yeah. I'll find something else, but I'm not going to need that anytime soon. So I'm fine. Yeah. Not some, something crazy, crazy happens. I don't think that any of us, I think all of us are here because we're very passionate and dedicated yeah. to the process. And since we are students at heart, I, I mean, I can definitely see that in you very strongly that you are a very student mindset. It's just like, how can you be burnt out and not as dedicated to something when you are, con when you're constantly a student to it and you just feel like you, there's, you never know enough. Yeah. And it's definitely fun to hear. Like, it's one thing to read. I don't read a lot of dog trainers, Instagrams. I don't have time for it. And like, whatever. I've kind of tried to add more things to my Instagram page than just dog training recently. But, yeah. but like, it's a much better perspective. Like I gain a lot more from talking to somebody for an hour than I would from reading through their Instagram page. Right. Because you can actually yeah. hear and see and feel that conversation as opposed to like, all right, this is what somebody wrote last night and like, okay, nice next. And then it's kind of like very non-personal. It's not as real. Well, it's also very like poised and positioned in a, in a specific way that that person wants it to be perceived, Right. you know, like there's definitely some topics that I'll like take a certain tone or certain perspective with it because that's the sort of point that I'm trying to come across. So it's very intentional and very deliberate. I don't know if everyone does that, but I think that they do to some certain degree. So you can't really glean much insight into how a person is just based off of their social media presence. Cause it's very, um, what's, what's that called? Um, like intentionally put together. I don't, I don't it's edited, know. You know, it's all edited and yeah. you can, you can't delete what you said two minutes ago here, but you can delete your stories if you think it didn't look right. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And we've all been there and we've all, yeah. Been there. yeah. I, I made a rule for myself, like a couple months into posting on Instagram that I never delete an Instagram story. Oh, really? So, so if I put something up and I sound stupid or I sound silly, it stays. And after 24 hours, I'll go. But like, that's what I did in the moment. It's like, I'm not showing anything that crazy, right? It's yeah. nothing that bad, but like, I don't know if I'm drinking and drink spills on me while I'm talking, like whatever. You guys get to see that I spill my coffee sometimes, right? It's just part of me. But, Russ is human too, he spills his coffee. Yeah, it, but that's it. That's that's the, the key right there. Like that's what makes it different is that you're showing your human side. Yeah, definitely. I, I would definitely agree with that. We talked a lot about personal development sort of stuff, not really related to dog training. You were right. Most of these are not really about dog training, but I guess it is called Not Just Dogs. Yeah. And I like seeing the connection in that stuff. Yeah. Because I think it is okay. important. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up. It's been like an hour and a half almost, hour, something like oh, that. Really? I don't know how long. Yeah. Oh, bye. Yeah, it goes fast. It's a lot. That's what happens. You see, if it's boring, then you would have left a while ago. 
Um, <laughs> so let's wrap it up. You want to tell everyone how, for those people who don't know how to follow you, where you are, find you, your online platform, let everyone know about all that stuff. Cool. Awesome. So Natalie Dobkins, owner of Canine Performance. You can find me on Instagram, Canine Performance, C-A-N-I-N-E underscore performance. You can also find me on YouTube by uh, searching Natalie Dobkins or also Canine Performance. I also have an online training platform. If you don't know anything about dog training and you want to take your dog from shit to fit, you can join my online training platform. It will teach you not only how to train your dog, but why we train our dog with the methods and techniques and tools that we are going to use in training. So you can find that with the link in my Instagram bio. And then also on Facebook, it's canine performance as well. So those are all of the different things. And before everybody we like up, throws Facebook in last, like poor Facebook, it's like thrown to the side. <laughs> it does sort of. Uh, and I feel kind of bad about it because I have it like if I post to Instagram, then it automatically posts to Facebook. So it is like a lot of the time just sort of like an afterthought. And I feel yeah. Bad. I did want to say thank you so much. I am deeply appreciative and very grateful for being a guest on your podcast and sharing me with your audience and everything like that. And for just a really good, delightful conversation with a very cool human being. So I really appreciate the reprieve from everyday life. Um, I know that today was super stressful for you. So I just want to <laughs> just say just like after this, I hope that you just close your computer and just, just like decompress for a second for the day. I'll probably go for a walk with my dogs because that's relaxing. That is relaxing. Yeah. As long as your dog knows how to walk on a leash, then if not, yeah. not as relaxing. Yeah. We've been doing off leash walks on the boardwalk recently, like late at night. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun because that's as relaxing as it gets because I don't even have to hold the leash and yeah. I just have three or four dogs with me and it's a blast. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Go, go do something fun. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. I had a great time. Thank you guys for watching. Hope you all enjoyed. Have a great night and stay kind. All right. Bye, guys.